Blog Talk Radio. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show this morning. Well, we have changed locations, Ahanu, so many times in the past six months that now we are in Rochester, New York. And I have to tell people that this is the area where my father was born and raised, and I have numerous Italian relatives in this area. So you can be sure that when I come through town, it's a phone call to Uncle Frank for a huge pasta dinner. And I have to tell you, it is not a meal where I am careful about what I eat. I eat those meatballs and that pork and the brujol and the pasta and the homemade sauce. So I only get to come through here maybe once a year, twice a year. But we have been having just the very, very best time. And this is very different for an Irishman visiting an Italian family because I have to say I'm not as enthusiastic about all the uh, pork items. Certainly Italian food is one of my favorites, but I have to say I am a little partial to those cream and chocolate cannolis. <laughs> yes, there's a famous bakery here called Leo's Bakery. Leo's Italian Bakery, I should say. And if you ever want to taste the most delicious assortment of cannolis and baked cookies and etc. This is the place for it, Ahano. So you know, once we leave here, I'm going to have to get back on track. But when I am here, I certainly enjoy myself. So on other news, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest coming on today, Leslie Mitchell-Clark. And Ahana will be telling us all about Leslie in just a few minutes. But she will be talking to us all about hypnotherapy, past life regressions, and in-between life regressions, which I can't wait to hear about. So fascinating a subject that is. And I've done a little bit of work with that myself, but not a lot. So I'll be happy to talk to somebody who has a wide variety of experiences there. But, Hannah, what are our announcements? Well, we have got oodles of announcements. And, of course, the first one is that Angel Rose's book is now out, available on Amazon.com, available on Kindle, and also from her own website, atimeofchange.info. That's all one word, atimeofchange.info. Anybody who hasn't heard of her book, A Time of Change, do go there now and get a copy of it because it is getting rave reviews around the place. Indeed, a study group has already been set up in North Carolina to actually begin the study of the first chapter. And, you know, we're finding also that some people are finding it very heavy, very deep, because they are profound statements from the Akashic Records that we've been doing over the last number of years. And how, it, how the book actually came about, just for our listeners' benefit, is because Angel Rose has been doing private Akashic Record readings for people for many, many years. And it became necessary to form a group because the questions began to get bigger and began to take in the questions about the cosmos, the universe, the galaxy, about what was going on with this um, galactic alignment and so on. And for that reason, we began to record the group sessions and the 
transcription of those sessions going back a number of years in Ireland and throughout the United States have now been collated into the first of 10 books. She actually has a contract for 10 books in a series and the first one is A Time of Change and you can find it at atimeofchange.com, I beg your pardon, atimeofchange.info or amazon.com. So do get hold of that. That's one major announcement. She is actually working away feverishly on book two and the material is coming hot and heavy because she mentioned the fact that we were in Rochester, New York. What we find is that wherever we travel throughout the United States or Europe, there are certain places that are very favorable and supportive for us. It's got to do with our own energies and our own grids. Many, many people may find that it's an instant like or an instant dislike to a place. Well, we have been very supported in Rochester. Indeed, last night we did a fabulous group Akashic record session in the Purple Door in Rochester. And some of the questions there were really, really fascinating. And they will all be posted shortly on her website at angelrose.com. And I'll spell that for those who haven't heard. It's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. And angel, incidentally, is the Irish word for angel. And that is indeed what she is. She is an angel. You can tell that you're prejudiced, Sahano. He is my very best promoter. I hope people don't get tired of hearing it, Ahano. And just um, as an aside, but just as important, you never promote yourself, and people don't know that you're an incredible visionary artist. And if they want to find out about your work, especially the Spirit of Love Project, they can go to ahanu.com, A-H-O-N-U.com forward slash Spirit of Love. Okay, and you'll see the most profound pictures. And what those are, are drawings of what the spark of God looks like within an individual. And everybody's spark of divinity looks different. And everybody's spark of divinity reveals their life purpose, what they're here to do. And Ohano has an incredible ability to go in there and draw that and present it to a person. And then we put it up on the web and it's on a virtual shield that rotates around the earth. So when you go to that website, ahanu.com forward slash spirit of love, you're going to see all those beautiful pictures rotating around the earth, um, creating this wonderful, incredible God frequency. So do go take a look. Um, And if you would like to purchase one, there's ways on that website where you can contact Ahanu and uh, people use them for gifts of all kinds and their own personal use. And I still have mine. I carry mine around with me on a little business card everywhere I go. One of the fascinating things that we're going to be talking to uh, Leslie Mitchell-Clark about today is past lives. Now, past lives come up all the time for us. And indeed, I mentioned about our group Akashic Record session last night, and it's the subject of many, many people's questions is about their past lives and the impact that the past lives have on them today. Now, for others, of course, have no concept of past lives, don't know what past lives are about, don't believe in, in the, the possibility of past lives. But we hope that Leslie Mitchell-Clark will open up that whole possibility to us today. But before we get to Leslie, I want to mention about the possibility of future lives. Now, we're getting into some great stuff. Future lives. People ask us all the time about 2012. What's happening on the 21st of December 2012? What's going to happen after that? 
there we are looking at future lives. But then we're also looking beyond it. And these are the kind of answers that we find in the Akashic Records. What happens in 2017, 2033, 2000, 3000? What's the future all about? What's the future hold? These are all fascinating subjects. Get on Angel Rose's website and find out the answers to these marvelous questions. AngelRose.com. That's A-I-N-G-E-L-R-O-S-E.com. Now, our guest today is Leslie Mitchell-Clark. She's a consulting hypnotist. And this is a subject that's very, very close to our own hearts too because it's like the opening of the doorway into those past lives that we talked about. But she's a graduate of the Ontario Hypnosis Centre. She's a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists with a special certification in past life regression. Leslie and her hypnosis clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis, are also focused on the use of hypnosis for the positive improvement of all issues, now especially pertaining to artists of all disciplines, like actors, dancers, visual artists like myself, and writers like Angel Rose, musicians, vocalists, etc., and the unique demands that they deal with in their daily lives and careers. She's uniquely qualified to work with artists, as there's hardly an area of show business in which she hasn't worked. She'll be speaking to us about her experiences with hypnotherapy, exploring our lives in between lives. How about that now, folks? In between lives and our past lives and more. And we may even touch on future lives. Let's check if Leslie is here. Hello, have we got Leslie on the line? Buongiorno, mi piccolo Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Leslie. Welcome. Good morning. And being a being a New Yorker myself, uh, I feel as if I am an honorary Italian. And uh, <laughs> certainly we were we were both as Irish people and Italian people, we were certainly both uh, rather dominated by um, by the uh, the Catholic powers that be. So that uh, that unites us. Yeah, that's that's true. In fact, we had quite a discussion about that last night as well. Oh, but I we imagine. can't wait to uh, to hear uh, your story and really get right into the meat of your experiences and your work and fascinating fascinating stuff. So can you can you give us some history on yourself in terms of, you know, what you were doing before you got into hypnosis and how you okay. moved into that? Absolutely. Um I would have to say that um you know I was lucky enough to uh have a genetic makeup <laughs> and I which I think I chose by the way. I think we all choose our our um our parental units for a variety of reasons, but I I was always rather sensitive. And so even as a small child, um I had I would have to say really quite distinct recollections of other times and other places. And, you know, of course, no one really paid attention to what I said. They just said, oh, she's very imaginative, you know, this and that. So that that real resonating, resounding belief that I had been here at other times, and also not necessarily here on Earth, because I believe that we're in a large soul group that uh, also incarnates on other planets. But at any rate... Um, I carried this with me and had a number of, uh, have always had a number of what you would call psychic experiences. I, I've been very fortunate to have visual experiences as well. Uh, in fact, as a young child in mass, I, I would uh, often see people in prayer with 
well, I was seeing their auras, but I interpreted it as as halos because, of course, in in the Catholic liturgy and and art, we see an awful lot of saints with uh, halos painted around their heads, and I just thought everybody saw that. So. Um, uh, one of my grandmothers was extremely encouraging, and I was always able to talk to her about these these things, which I felt I felt like I was sort of always uh, had one foot in um, you know on the other side, so to speak. And um, most of my most of my life, uh, my life's work uh, has, of course, been in the entertainment business. Um, I I am an actress. I worked as a singer for many many years, and then um, after being married and having children, I kind of stopped performing. Except I I have done quite a bit of acting since that time, but um, I was really really looking for um, a fulfilling. A fulfilling career, or, or or just a fulfilling path of action that would be positive and helpful, and um, I really just sort of ruminated on that for a while. And uh, a number of years ago, my my husband, um, God bless him, what a smart guy, he he bought me a past life regression session uh, with a hypnotherapist here in Toronto, and um, after experiencing that session um i w- what i was really aware of is that i could absolutely do that and um and i was completely excited about the possibility of of becoming a hypnotherapist now i do have i i do have a psychology degree i also have a theater degree and i'm also a, a licensed psychiatric technician which you have in the states but uh, we don't have it here in canada i suppose it's a bit like being a psychiatric nurse uh so i i already was very much drawn in as much drawn to uh medical and healing modalities particularly in the realms of of mental health i was as much drawn to that as i have been to performing and i suppose um i just really um really got tired of um existing in a very ego based way which is sort of you know what a lot of entertainers and people in the business have to do. I became just exhausted with it, bored with it, limited by it. And so one part of the great appeal of changing my career was was um actually moving up in my own vibratory level and away from uh the more base uh ego-based third-dimensional thinking that is so so uh prevalent on our planet at this time. Sure. And um and of course, in order to become a past life regressionist, I first had to receive my my proper hypnotherapy training, uh, which I did do, and I studied under the great uh, Dr. Georgina Cannon, who is a very noted figure in uh, past life and interlife work. She is a direct student of Michael Newton, who's one of the uh, foremost uh, authorities on on this type of uh, research, 
And uh, actually, Dr. Cannon would be a wonderful person for you guys to have on your show at some point. She's just come out with a new book, and uh, she does live here in Toronto. But I studied with Dr. Cannon, and um, that was some years ago, and many, many, many um, uh, past life regressions uh, since then. And fairly recently, um, I went back and did some more intensive studying with Dr. Cannon, and I am now um, I am now uh, credentialed to uh, use hypnotherapy for people to explore what we call the interlife or the lifetime between lives, which I've got to tell you is so fascinating. Let's before we get into that, let let me just take you back again to your childhood because Mm -hmm. you mentioned some fascinating gifts that you had. Would you say that those gifts that you experienced are similar to what we know now that indigo crystal and rainbow children have? I do think so. Although I, I think as a as a late end baby boomer, I'm not sure that I fit into those categories. Uh, but indeed, um, I, I did seem to come in with um, a large dose of uh, intuitive skills and also, um, you know, visual abilities. Uh, and I do use all of that um, in okay. in my work. Although I won't. I, I rarely, if ever, will talk to a client about what I'm seeing around them because I think, in a way, it's a bit like home invasion. You know, I I, um, I don't also I don't want to put any um, any ideas into their minds about you know what they should experience during the session. Mm-hmm. So I generally kind of keep quiet, especially if I see one of their guides come in or or a, or, or a relative or something like that. <laughs> Okay. Now, moving forward then, I want to know how did you merge? You mentioned about your past life regression. How did you merge the idea of hypnosis into that? I, uh, during, the, during the context of my, of my regression, uh, the first one that I had as a past life regression, um, after that initial regression was finished, where I experienced a life as as an actress in Victorian England, um, and of course that life as an actress was very ego based, and and I I resonated with that experience um, so profoundly. But I have I should say I've been a transcendental meditator for many years, thirty years, maybe longer. And so after that like initial myself. experience where I was, you know, guided through the regression by a licensed hypnotherapist, um, it became rather easy for me to go into a meditative state and um, and and have an experience of past lives on my own. And um, and in some of my own experiences, I began to I began to visit lives back into the mists of time where I had been involved in healing modalities. And I came to understand that that work as a healer was a very huge part of my soul identity. And that the more I, the more that I existed and acted and intended um, along those lines, along my true deep God particle identity, you know, the happier that that I would be as well. So I guess in answer to your question, uh, after that initial experience, a door was opened. I felt confident to go into a meditative state, experience other lifetimes where I found 
a preponderance of lives um, as a healer, going all the way back to what I would express as Atlantean times. Uh, so um, I have been involved in healing, and um, it is it is a part of me. Uh, it's maybe the biggest part of me. Tell me this, Leslie, because we encounter a lot of people who have no experiences of past lives whatsoever. And as you say, you have a preponderance of them. In what way do you feel knowing those past lives helps you in your day-to-day life? Wow, I think that um, I think being able to see patterns is uh, is a huge help to progress and hopefully not repeat negative patterns. And of course, we you know we we use that type of thinking in in you know, hypnosis that does not even necessarily involve uh, past life regression. People do tend to be cyclic beings. They do tend to repeat patterns over and over again, uh, some of them negative, some of them positive. And if you can recognize these patterns and, and literally disrupt the circuit, as it were, then you are no longer um, enslaved to repeat behaviors that are non-productive, behaviors that put you in the same situations, that limit your progress, that limit your ability to to help others and to truly connect with not only others, but to truly connect with the all that is, you know, the God particle, the, the soul particle right. of us, if, if you will. Leslie, let me ask you too, why do you think we forget when we come in, I mean, obviously you didn't entirely forget, but the majority of the population would come into this world not having any memory that they've lived before. Can you give us your thoughts about that? Well, I think to a certain extent it is a choice. Um, and in a way, you know, it does make things less complicated. It's kind of like starting a new year at school. I would I would uh, sort of equate it with that. Uh, if we can wipe the slate clean, then we get to have a new experience, if it will. And some people really need. I re- I believe that it's they really need to um, to come in with a fresh start. Um, however, you know this this not remembering business is also societal. Uh, and cultural, because um, I'm sure, as you are both well aware, um, the concept of reincarnation was a tenet of the early Christian church. It was accepted, it was explored, and it was only at the Council of Nicaea where uh, the concept of, of reincarnation was was thrown out. And probably the main reason for that is, was was uh, financial, reasons of control and reasons of financial uh, uh, remuneration, because of course, um, if someone uh, if someone has sinned and uh, they're worried about uh, entering into heaven, uh, they're going to be paying indulgences and they're going to be having masses mm-hmm. said for them. So you can That's understand true. there there was a vested financial interest in the early Christian church in in severing our uh, direct contact with God and in severing the idea that we are in fact immortal beings even though you know Jesus himself said you know I will come again all of that was thrown out and and so I, in a way I think it is almost a, a, a cultural and societal amnesia 
And I also think that this veil of amnesia is thinning and thinning rapidly because I can tell you the amount of people that come to me in this year of 2012 uh, for past life regressions because people either have feelings they have been here or they have profound memories or they have phobias that can't be um, uh, can't be explained. The amount of people I see now has you know quadrupled. And it's not that I'm really doing anything, you know, different business-wise. It's just that the veil is, in fact, thinning. And and I would also say that uh, most children do have recollection of their past lives. And if you if you speak to them, you know, gently, uh, in a in a non-confrontational way, it, it will be very surprising what they might tell you. Uh, my own children both had uh, recall of past lives and and I would talk to them about it and mm-hmm. especially my older son he would talk about his other parents uh and I think that he recently his most recent life may have been uh may have been in Asia possibly Japan I mean it was uh it was quite fascinating and I think around the time that the children are about 6 or 7 uh when they become deeply engrossed in the here and now and deeply engrossed in school that seems to be uh the time where it's it's more difficult for them to access those memories but we do come in with them i believe that do you do you see a theme at all in terms of when people do have past life regressions especially because of this particular time period do you see any themes in the souls in terms of either um, when they lived or the type of past lives that show up for them or like a, a mission that's revealed to them? Do you see mm. any sort of a, a theme with people? Well, I am seeing um, I am seeing an awful lot of people uh, who are coming in now who have had uh, rather profound uh, Atlantean lives. Uh, so I think we are seeing, uh, and I know there is some speculation that even the United States, you know, reflects a sort of a group karma of of the Atlanteans who were um, who had all kinds of uh, spiritual awareness, but who became very bogged down in the third dimension and materialism and power and wars and and infighting. So it it really it, it, there there are a lot of corollaries there. So I I think that we're having a large entrance of some very old, very aware soul groups that are coming in in order to help raise the vibration to uh, prepare uh humanoids on earth for uh for what's going to happen when we when we enter the fourth dimension when the vibration accelerates so yes okay. i think yeah i just have to comment too that spending so much time in hendersonville north carolina that we have which is only 30 miles south of asheville Yes. <laughs> um, you know, we have asked, you know, there's so many people moving there now. Before yes. we left for Ireland in May, there were just people from all over different parts of the world and the country. Suddenly everyone was moving to Hendersonville or Asheville. Yeah. And we, you know, someone did ask about that, and it did say that, you know, that particular area was a major meeting place for many Atlanteans. Yes. After they spread out. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I don't really identify myself with an Atlantean, even though I know I probably was there. 
But I, I just find this Atlantean theme that you mentioned does seem to be a big issue in yes. terms of who we all were as souls and what we're... Yes, particularly in Western culture, particularly in yes. Western culture. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I do believe that, um, you know, Asheville, North Carolina, along with, you know, the Black Hills in South Dakota, the, uh, you know, the, the Bimini area, there are, you know, and of course we've discussed this on, on my show with both of you and with Ahonu many times, there are power spots, um, geophysical power spots, all over the globe, uh, along right. ley lines that uh, that make interdimensional um, communication and travel uh, possible, and in mm-hmm. fact, in some instances, you know, easy. And I know that Asheville, North Carolina, has some kind of um, massive uh, uh, quartz crystal uh, bed underneath it. So it is it, it is in fact a geophysical um anomalous area that at like like maybe uh you know Sedona there are many places all over the world where uh, where the veil is thin where interdimensional um communication is possible. Well, I know Asheville is yes, they do have the reputation of the courts but there's also uh, massive emerald mines and ruby mines. In fact, uh, dotted all around the area are a lot of um, little places where you can actually mine for gems. Amazing. So it's, it's loaded. It really is loaded. With, it um, is loaded. And, yes. of course, uh, you know, crystals in general were, were you know, a huge uh, part of the um, of the power source, the way the technology worked in Atlantean times. And uh, if anyone is interested in some real detailed information about that, I, you know, the the works of Edgar Casey, uh, particularly there's a wonderful book called Edgar Casey on Atlantis, where he he goes into great detail about um, the political structures and the energy systems. But crystals were a big, important part of all that as they actually are for us too but in a slightly different way and there is some speculation that um in the bimini area uh you know off the coast of florida what you would refer to as the bermuda triangle does have all of this anomalous activity that that you've read about because one of the great crystals of atlantis is in fact embedded in the ocean floor there some type of a crystal that was used for guiding in uh craft so yes. the, yeah there's you some... know we've spoken several times Leslie about the connection between Ireland and the United States oh, and yes. indeed some people have speculated that there is the possibility that the Atlantis the land of Atlantis did extend from that uh, western side of Europe particularly yes. Ireland down to Bermuda triangle and forming a triangulation up through the United States so there's a lot to be further understood about all of that but let us remind our listeners that you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on our Honest to God series radio. We're speaking with Leslie Mitchell-Clark from Toronto, who's a past life regressionist and a hypnotherapist. And we're looking forward to getting into the whole subject of uh, hypnosis and alien abductions also ah. in a short few minutes. But let us remind our listeners, too, that if you want to call into the program, you can use the number 805-292-0349. Now, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, people, if they want to contact you, your website is lightworkhypnosis.com. That's it. Can they, 
Yeah, and they can contact you through there and set up sessions. Do you do those kind of sessions remotely, or must they be in Toronto? I have done, actually. Now, I will qualify that by saying usually if I'm doing a remote session by you know Skype or some system like that, it's with someone I have already worked with in person. So, uh, you know, I I don't know if it would be optimum to uh to use a Skype session for an initial uh session. Uh but I certainly um have done um after I've been working with someone. Now, that that being said, um only a month ago, and I just recalled this, um I was doing um I was doing a session uh, with one of my clients who is, uh, I, w- I tend to call them experiencers rather than abductees because experiencers or interfacers puts a positive, proactive uh, uh, spin on it, which is the reality of what's happening. And while I was, we did a sort of a, um interesting experiment. While I had my, my client physically in my office, uh, we were also doing a joint session by Skype with a um, um, a, a lady who um, was in Australia. And she and my client believed that they had had a connection where they were jointly taken or where they had some uh, joint experiences. So I actually was able to induct them both simultaneously uh, while I had my physical client here in my chair and I had the uh, um, virtual client in Australia via Skype. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone has ever actually done that before, but it but it did work. And uh, I was wow. able to, spe- you know, of course, they, they, you know, people are speaking to me throughout the session if I, if I direct them to. And they were both in trance and they both... Um, related things to me and it was it was quite fascinating. So can you tell us Leslie um about those ET experiences because lots of people go through it appears to be go through tremendous trauma yes in those experiences. So in your in your work with these people, what have you discovered as to why is it happening? Um, you mentioned earlier that there could be some sort of a, a cooperative agreement there mm-hmm. that maybe the person's not really aware of anymore. Yeah. But can you can you tell us what your findings have been about that? Well, what I am finding is that the fearful experiences that that you know of course get the most publicity and and are focused on terrifically but the fearful experiences are really quite few compared to actually a very very small percentage of um of the kinds of abduction experiences that people are having uh, at at this present time, and it also seems that the fearful uh, type of uh, experiences um, are being conducted by, you know, a specific uh, group of aliens. It seems that the Greys, as we call them, who I believe are from Zeta Reticuli, which is a binary star system that's actually a hop, skip, and a jump away. For uh, you know, if you're if you're able to um, if you're able to use some type of warp drive or whatever. But um, it seems that the fearful experiences are being conducted by 
the grays, if you will. And there you have some of the information by Whitley Strieber, and there are some other, uh, you know, the Betty and Barney Hill experience was, of course, conducted by grays. Uh, the, the beings that crashed in the desert in Roswell were your classic grays. And there seems to have been, uh, I know this sounds very far out, but there seems to have been some sort of collusion between uh, the Zeta Reticulites and uh, the American... Uh, military. Uh, as far as uh, some type of agreement, there seems to have been some rever reverse engineering. And uh, these Zeta Reticulites uh, do, they're not interdimensional. They seem to be functioning, you know, in the third dimension, if you will. Now, many of the other beings that um, that are working with individuals here on the Earth are uh, are they may be Pleiadians who actually look physically just like us, but they tend to be taller and they tend to be blonde. They sort of are. Uh, you will sometimes hear beings, Nordic beings, described. So the Pleiadians tend to look like that. We also have um, uh, there are interdimensional beings that um, literally um, um, come through time and space to communicate with us. And when individuals are having contact experiences with interdimensional beings, it's not always their complete physical body that that leaves and goes to a ship. There seems to be some type of a separation of what I have come to call the psychophysical body. You might refer to it as the etheric body. So we have many, many abduction experiences that do not involve the entire dense molecular structure of the person, you know, flying through a wall or, or, or leaving their room per se. But they are they are nonetheless completely valid and completely kinesthetic experiences that people are having. They simply are having them in their etheric bodies. And these types of experiences are invariably uh, positive and seem to involve um, uh, agreements that have happened either before people came into this body or, you know, at other times they seem to involve agreements. They seem to be involving working together in some way. And I have even gotten quite a bit of information that there is or there are um, a galactic federations. In other words, there are motherships out there, uh, perhaps interdimensional motherships, that are carrying uh, all kinds of beings from all different, <laughs> all different spaces and times in the cosmos. And there, is, there are prime directives with these ethical beings. There are non-interference policies. There are um, limitations in what they can do. And, and and there has to be there has to be an agreement when when people are working or traveling to or interfacing with these higher evolved uh interdimensional beings i'm always finding agreements that have been made they're okay, not so always what, yeah what oh, are sorry, they doing ahead. though and what is i mean what is the agreement for what happens when uh, a person's etheric body goes aboard a ship or, you know, and, and can you compare what happens with beings that are benign as opposed to the grave? 
the What's beings, the difference? The beings that are benign seem to be very, very interested in upgrading our awareness so that free communication can take place. And this is one of the things that I believe that we're going to see as we as we enter this next millennia, this next, next uh, period of evolution. I think in a way they are helping to birth us, if you will. And um, I know that the the individuals that I'm working with, when they when they go on these uh, sorties with the higher evolved beings, they are sometimes receiving um, what you would call medical procedures, but they are not painful and they are not done against their will. But it all seems to be about upgrading um, upgrading uh, the um, dispelling fear, I should say, dispelling fear and upgrading the vibrational level of the, the life here on this planet so that we can rejoin the um uh, the beings that are that are essentially all around us and i'm also finding that many people who come to see me who who are having these these uh positive experiences with the higher evolved beings have also had past lives where they were living and existing on other planets in these higher realms. So it seems along with Atlanteans coming back in, we have a lot of beings on the planet who have chosen to come into this more limiting physical form to help assist, to help birth this vibrational upgrade where we are going to be able to finally rejoin our family, as it were. Mm-hmm. Now, our listeners... Are, would be fascinated by this subject because we haven't covered it before ah. and ourselves are particularly interested in this whole concept of past life regression and hypnotherapy because we understand the mind to be far more powerful than what we heretofore have found. But you, you seem to be at the cutting edge of this type of exploration, Leslie Mitchell-Clark. And yes. you, 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 your work, it, it's it must be pioneering and it must be very satisfying in lots of ways. But at the same time, there are so many unknowns. Can you tell us, in, in your experience, what the greys are actually looking for? I believe that the greys are, are, they may in fact be a hybrid race. And I think they have been very concerned about their own physical bodies becoming weaker and not and again they are third dimensional beings they're not they're not evolved in the sense that they are that they are intermittently physical they are physical it seems to me that they're very deeply involved with genetic experimentation in order to create further hybrids in order to physicalize better uh in order to have in order maybe to to exist on this planet in some way in their in their bodies. Now I have heard um, I have heard information from some of my clients who have had the disturbing types of experiences that you mention, uh, especially uh, where they where they have genetic material taken from them, where men have had sperm taken oddly, um, and I could go into great descriptions about how unusual that experience is and women have had ova taken i've also uh, had some very 
you know, and I find these things, you know, disturbing and upsetting, of course, but I've also had some clients recount, female clients recount events where they have been uh, impregnated, uh, you know, um, uh, with some with this type of intervention, and then at some point um, early in the pregnancy, you know, three or four months, the the embryo or fetus, if you will, is somehow removed, and yes. then and then uh, is is made to um, uh, to progress and grow and generate under some sort of artificial conditions on board ship. And so the the women that have experienced this, and the men too, they generally have multiple things happen where they're they're abducted, they're, the genetic material is taken, the women are abducted again, they have this uh, traumatic experience happen where the the baby is taken, and then they are taken often multiple times after that and shown their children. Wow. And asked and asked to hold them, and there seems to be a problem with nurturing. You know, the Greys, whatever they, uh, you know, whatever they were or whatever, whatever their mandate is, they don't have a uh, psychological, physical nurturing type of modality in the way that we do, or in the way that even the animal kingdom does. They seem to have yes. lost that. So, you know, they, these are these are some of the dark things that have happened, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of physical evidence to support these experiences. You know, there are women who um, recall these things happening who have not given birth in this earthly plane to their knowledge, and they go to gynecologists, and the gynecologists say, you have evidence of having multiple pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is uh, there is physical evidence that, and there are, of course, implants. There are implants made out of silicon. We have uh, the greys love to use uh, uh, tracking devices, if you will, not yes. unlike our GPS dots. So they're they're uh-huh. all for this invasive uh, this invasive activity, and yes. uh, there you go. Well, Leslie, um, in the past, as you know, these kinds of people would have been labeled as mentally ill or mentally unstable. Yes. Uh, but it seems that as time goes on, that is not the case. And in, in your in your uh, practice, are you finding that it's ordinary men and women, um, and they don't have to be particularly gifted in any way, who yes. are affected by these particular abductions? Is that the case? Completely the case, Ahonu, and, and, and very well said. Uh, I would say 999 of the people that I work with in in both the alien abduction field and also in past life regressions are uh, are completely sane. They have functional lives, uh, happy relationships. Uh, these are mentally healthy people who have had heretofore inexplicable experiences. Now that being said, there you know there are of course, as you can imagine. There are people who are not well mentally who are attracted to the idea of multiple lives when actually what's going on may be some sort of schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And and I have to be very, very careful when I um, when I do an intake that 
I am not dealing with that because that's the first thing that that I must eliminate. Um, I'm not a I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. However, I do have certainly more than enough training to be able to identify when we are dealing with a a, a a pathology of mental illness. Gotcha. And so that's when I do not, at that point, it is ethically and also legally um, uh, wrong for me to work with people who are really suffering with uh, with a mental illness situation. I direct them immediately to one of my, one of the wonderful uh, psychotherapists or psychiatrists that uh, that I have on my referral list. Yes. Okay, you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series. We have as our guest in the studio today uh, Leslie Mitchell Clark, and she's from Toronto. She runs a hypnosis practice and she also has a website called lightworkhypnosis.com. Now, we want to pursue this idea of past life regressions and alien abductions and so on. But before we do, can I ask you, Leslie, the the, the work that you do, as I mentioned, is obviously pioneering and it's cutting edge yes. stuff. But at the same time, do you does does your knowledge of hypnosis work effectively and successfully for the likes of ordinary issues like the cessation of smoking or, or oh yes the eradication of a fear or yes. health issues and so on? Yeah. Absolutely, Ahonu. And, and, you know, I should say the bulk of my practice, <laughs> although I love to talk about what we're, you know, I, I wish the bulk of my practice were metaphysical in, in, in origin, but I do an awful lot of work in what you would consider, uh, you know, the more, if not mundane, but the more commonplace things that people experience as individuals, uh, weight loss, uh, smoking sensation, cessation rather, phobias, um, uh, uh, self sabotage. The you know the way the mind works, and and we know a lot more about it now because we certainly live in the in the real in the in the time of the real time mapping of the brain. Many things before have been guessed at, and now we really kind of know what's going on uh, physiologically electrically any way you want to talk about it inside the brain and the the unconscious mind is really a hard drive our our brain and the way our minds work is a uh, is an organic reflection of your computer essentially or the computer would be a manifestation of the way that our brains work <laughs> i guess that's an easier way to put it but the unconscious mind is um is like 711 it never closes it's always open and Everything goes into the unconscious mind. Everything, every detail. Uh, in other words, I can put someone in trance and I can have them tell me what color their shoes were when they went to a birthday party when they were four. Literally, everything is in there. Now, um, phobias, for instance. Um, say, for instance, you had a, um unreasonable fear of cats. Just you were terrified of them. You didn't know why. So the first thing I do, rather than jumping into a past life, the first thing I do is I put the patient in trance and I ask them to tell me about, you know, where this fear began. 
And generally, uh, if you were afraid of cats, you might have been three or even two pre-verbal. And you were playing with a kitten, you accidentally pulled its tail, and, and, and the cat or the kitten hissed at you. Now, the, the subconscious mind's job is to protect us. That's one of the big things that it does. It's a protective device. It's an ancient part of our brain. And so that negative experience of the cat kissing at you, even though it's a, it's a tiny little grain of information, which should be processed normally, what happens is the, um, the unconscious mind makes a kind of a scab, if you will, over that experience and uh, determines that you will never be at risk of being afraid of a cat again. So this fear, this phobia, is developed in the unconscious mind as a protective device simply to ensure that you never experience that negative uh, event again. So that's one way that it works. And the other way that hypnosis works is um, if we if we believe a conscious idea, in other words, if we if we believe that um, let's see what could, what could I use as an example? Uh, if we believe that we have an allergy and we sneeze every time we get around cats, if we have come to believe that consciously, then the unconscious mind will manifest it. So um, I would have to say that energy always follows intention. And that energy, followed by the intention, creates circuits, if you will. So I spend a lot of time simply disrupting circuits. I'm like a psychological uh, electrician. (laughs) (laughs) So once these these ideas, once these ideas that have been embodied – um, once I get in there and, and once we, we change the behavior uh, in a variety of ways, then that's the end of the phobia. And the same can be said for, you know, although people come to see me for smoking, it's never about the smoking. It's always about something else. So my job, I guess, most of the time when I'm, when I'm seeing clients for health and wellness is to get to that kernel to get to that piece of information that is going to unlock the behavior and let me know how to disrupt the circuit. Yeah, that sounds fantastic and I have a phobia you can help me with in the future. I'll let oh, you know. Good. I'll give you a call. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> okay, Leslie, I, we mentioned in our introduction of you that you, you come from an artist background yes. and a lot of your hypnosis work with clients has to do with that area of uh, specific to artists such as stage and audition anxiety yes. and coping with competition, self-image and so on. How can you tell us, uh, and as I say, in particular because we're coming from an artist background ourselves, mm-hmm. myself with painting and visual graphic design and so on and Angel Rose as a writer, what, what, um, what particular issues can you help artists with? Well, I think, as you said, um, writer's block is a big one. Um, uh, we call it, as, uh, you know, stage anxiety is a huge one. Um, sometimes actors uh, are having difficulty remembering lines. 
memory problems uh, because they they have fears. Uh, but it's it's most of the issues that artists forgive me most of the issues that artists deal with that inhibit uh, their career in one way or another are are all based on fear of failure. Most of it all comes down to that. Because as you know, as artistic people, well, first of all, I should say that the artistic brain actually works differently than the brain of, say, someone who is a mathematician. Although there may be a good deal of math in art. If you hook up someone's brain, an artistic person, you will see that they absolutely fire differently. So many, many artistic people um, have been given negative uh, messages all through their lives, depending on their on their school, on their home, on their siblings. So by the time someone comes to see me, and uh, they are so afraid of fe- of failure, they're so afraid of being judged, they're so afraid that there's something wrong with them, that they're not good enough, and these are all messages that have been internalized, that have been thrust at them you know since early early childhood i mean imagine i was i was fortunate enough to have been born into an artistic family where it was like the family business where conversely if you weren't artistic if i'd come out and said you know i want to go to engineering school you know that would have been weird so uh, right. but most people are uh, most artistic people grow up in families um where they feel like an outsider Mm-hmm. Where they have come in with special talents, they see the world differently, their brain is working differently, they're often misdiagnosed as, as having ADHD or as uh, as having um um uh even mild autism. You know, they, they are they're often misdiagnosed in school because they um they have incredible focus but only for what they want to do. So uh, these early messages that get internalized which have to do with self esteem, which have to do with fear of failure, uh I would say that is, you know, ninety percent of the time the culprit. Okay. Now here's a question that has puzzled me for a long time. And you're the best person to ask because you're an expert in hypnosis, but also you have past life regression experience. Yes. I, I can't understand how, let's say somebody has had a past life as an artist for mm-hmm. example, or a writer. Let's use a writer. A past life as a writer. So they're obviously coming in predisposed to, to this gift. Yes. But yet they have writer's block in this life. Is, that, is the fear of failure coming from this life? Or is it coming from a further past life and mingling together in this one? Do you understand my question? Yes, I do. And it could be both. It could okay. be both. It could be that they that they got it so wrong in the life where they came in with talent. Uh, say you know, say you're Edgar Allan Poe, and hmm. uh, you you were so so bad at operating the rest of your life other than your writing that you were penniless. You were a morphine addict. I mean, say you had all the talent in the world, but your decisions had uh, your decisions and your information had had prevented success. Mm-hmm. So you come in again. You pick parents that are either from your soul group or parents that will provide the genetic information that you need um, to enhance your soul identity. And until you deal, you're getting another chance to deal with your demons. And until you do. 
They will reoccur. I see people coming in in the same kinds of careers over and over and over and over again. And until they get to the root, until they accept their identity as a creative person, until they still stop sabotaging themselves or medicating themselves, um, the same types of events will reoccur. Right. So yes, and it can be absolutely both the Honu. It can be, but I would say that when you see something profound like that, some real self-sabotage thing, that it is coming not only from this life but from other lives as well. Okay. Now we had a question last night at the group Akashic Record session in Rochester, New York, where one of the people asked about um, the, their their purpose in this life. Their, their purpose in this life, and particularly in this great year of galactic alignments, yes. 2012, and they were wondering why are they, why do they have so many difficulties if they're, you know, meant to be here, if all their past lives have kind of geared them up and built them up to be here at this great time, why are they having such such difficulties, such anxieties, such blockages? Well, these are challenges that we take on, I believe. I believe the whole, the whole issue of coming into lifetimes with the circumstances that you come in with, with the physicality you come in with, this is all prearranged. And it's prearranged for a variety of, re- a variety of reasons. Maybe you have to learn compassion about a situation. And say, how could you learn compassion about a homeless person or how to help them, or how to do your work, unless you yourself have experienced that on a certain level. So I think we we accept challenges willingly, uh, and we write it in, at least in broad strokes, into our charts, into our plan, uh, before we come in. And what we do find in um, in regressing people to explore the interlife is uh, this this planning of your life to come in um, is not something that you really do alone, although it is your choice. Um, everyone that I have regressed to the interlife, and uh, if you would like, if anyone out there would like further information about uh, about the interlife and regressions to it, any of the works of uh, Michael Newton uh, would be incredibly eye-opening. It would talk in great detail about this. He is the foremost researcher in the interlife uh, exploration. So okay. what we do find out is um, people's experiences, their so-called death experiences, when they slip out of their body. That can have a bit of variety. Uh, Some people will see even um, uh, religious icons if it's comforting for them. They may see the Mother Mary or they may see Jesus or or their idea of Muhammad. It, it, It simply depends on what's going to comfort them. But invariably, everybody ends up at what we call the council where they meet with their spirit guides and and various other masters. Um, Not that the beings are male or female necessarily. You understand I'm just using that term Mm -hmm. to refer to evolved beings. But um, there is a good deal of thought put into um, coming back in. And it has to do with challenges. It has to do with what you need to learn. Uh, Say you've been a very, very famous actress in a past life and you don't need to experience that again, but yet you come in with acting talent, 
so you use that to uh, to do theater exercises with you know disabled children right so you can come in mm-hmm. with these talents that are soul talents and and mm-hmm. use them differently to in, to simply to gain different experiences that will be enhancing that will help that will be less ego based and uh will be ultimately incredibly fulfilling so we do okay. have a tremendous amount of choice i believe okay i understand that you're talking about the life between lives. In other words, when somebody dies and before they incarnate on the earth plane again, you're talking about that place in spirit. Do you have any idea where that is, Leslie? And I, I don't understand. I mean, I don't want, I understand it's not a physical place as mm-hmm. such, but like, is it the astral or is it another place in spirit? Is there, can we identify where that place is in any way in your experience? Well, I would have to refer to the commonality of the experience, where people definitely seem to travel uh, most often through a kind of tunnel of light, which would imply to me some type of a a vortex. Um, And uh, invariably, they are feeling the, the marvelous sensations of having an etheric body, that is that is well and is vibrating at a very high level. So I'm not sure that we actually should be thinking about where it is. I think it may be all around us and right here, just simply vibrating at at a higher level. Now that being said. Um, uh, there is a distinction between people, you know, traveling through the tunnel and meeting their relatives and going through their experiences, and and if a soul is say uh, trapped in the astral plane, which is very very uh, close to our dense physical existence, and that will sometimes happen if someone has passed very suddenly and they are not aware that they're dead in the sense that their physical body is gone. Um, and it can sometimes happen if people are have a very um, uh, traditional view of heaven and hell, if they are afraid that they have not lived a good enough life, that they're going to be punished and they're going to go to hell, so they, they resist crossing over. But I can tell you that on both sides of the veil, there are light workers, which is why I call my business light work hypnosis. There are light workers in the spiritual realms and there are light workers in physical bodies here whose sole job it is to try and get every soul to cross over. Yes, I've had that experience myself where I've when I've been in uh people's records or checked with people who've passed on and see how they get stuck here and don't necessarily go right to that tunnel of light which everybody yeah. thinks they do. Yeah, but let me ask you because there's the question I get asked all the time, Leslie, and it's about babies. You know, yes. people never seem to understand why a baby would be born and then die a few months later, yeah. or certainly why children die. Can you can you give any enlightenment to people about that? Well, this is uh, just like you, Angel. This is a question that I am asked all of the time, and. All I can say is that that soul has come in pre-planned for the amount of time that they need to be here to do whatever their task is. 
Okay. Now, say a little, say a, a say a baby comes in and just lives, you know, either a couple of days or just a very very short time. Now, say those parents that experience that incredible tragedy, they transcend it and they go on to form some type of support system or support group for for people who have lost children and and that is their and and in that case then that would have been the reason for that little soul to come in for just that short period of time that they have uh that they have been a part of the purpose of the parents and that the parents have learned a kind of compassion or a kind of lesson that they could not have learned any other way for their life's work. So, And I would venture in those situations that it is also an agreement between the, the souls who are the parents and the soul who is coming in for just such a short time before any of them incarnate physically. Okay, and let me ask you this other question too. And it's something that I'm kind of just exploring. But, you know, in, in being in Rochester and visiting with my uncle after the wonderful pasta meal. Yes. <laughs> we were all in the cannolis. Yes. We were we were all uh, chatting about, um, you know, people in the past and the family. For example, I asked my uncle about my dad's life. My dad is passed on now, but there was a lot about my father uh, in his growing up years that I never knew. Mm. You know, you tend to just think of your dad as your dad, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so there were a couple uncles there who were telling stories. And one of the things that happened that they revealed was that my father had gone through two tragedies when he was 18 and, again, when he was around 21 or 22 you know, the death of, death of people um, that he truly cared about, okay? Yes, yes. Uh, at a very young age. Now, the same thing happened to me at exactly those ages. So I, I found myself wondering, you know, is, it a, is sometimes this a pattern that is, you know, in the family ancestry that maybe doesn't get healed and another another member of the family comes in with the same pattern and, you know, if you don't know what's happening, you'll manifest that pattern. Or, you know, I, I'm kind of just wondering about this now. You know, yes. Have you have you had that? Anything yes, and I and I it? and I really do believe, um, Angel, that we, um, well, we're all in soul groups. We're all in soul groups. In other words, we come in. Maybe your maybe your father in this life was your brother before, and we all sort of we sort of work together. In, in exactly the sense that you're talking about, to uh, to progress and grow. And so there is such a thing as a kind of a soul group karma, where you do see the same repetitive patterns within a, a family group. Um, and it can also be uh, a situation where maybe they're carrying, you know, a, maybe there's a genetic disease like Huntington's chorea or something like that, which is carried uh, through the family. And many family members have to contend with this same challenge. So I absolutely agree with with what you just said. I absolutely concur with that that there are there there are in fact group karmas, soul group karmas where we um we heal it generationally, I should say. Right. 
And right. I think that, uh, and I'm dying at some point to talk to Ohonu about um, about his work uh, that I read about, where he is um, healing uh, the great um, dynastic Irish families. I believe. Am I getting uh, this yeah. correct? Yes. Well, if I could just spend a moment to explain what that is to our listeners, it, there's two levels to it. The first one is. Traditionally, people would come to me and I would tune into them and I would see an issue in their auric field and I would simply paint the resolution of it because a lot of us are very graphic images. This is one of the reasons why the likes of YouTube and Facebook and so on are so successful because yes. it's very graphic yes. and we, we process images much faster. So yes. when I paint the resolution of an issue for somebody, they get it straight away. It's like as if it goes in through the the... the Pineal induction, let's call it. Yes. And it, it processes the, the, the new paradigm instantly. Now, yes. what I found was when some, somebody came to me at one point in time and I ended up painting, um, um, what was it called? A family, a family crest. It was their family crest. Now, the thing about the family crest that I painted was there was no swords or shields or armor or or defenses of any kind. In other words, it was um, going back in time prior to any distortion of any kind in the family name. Mm. And the moment I showed her that picture, it's like as if instantly it healed all the ancestral karma. Yeah. Now, there's, there's no way we can prove that, obviously, but for her, the benefit was, was instantaneous. It was huge. Yes. Now, it yeah, it continued. You know, we needed to experiment a little bit more. And Angel Rose said to me, you know, because we're married and our family name is O'Grady. And here's the interesting point. In the traditional family crest um, history, there's usually a Latin inscription attached to the family name. Yes. And ours was vulneratus non victus. Now, what that means in English is fallen but not defeated. And she said to me, why are we going around carrying the name O'Grady with the Latin inscription attached to it, albeit in, in, a, in, a, in a virtual way, that says fallen but not defeated? Yeah. I said, I think you're right. Let's change it. So what I did was I repainted the family crest of O'Grady. And again, prior to any distortion in its pure divine perfection. And you know what? It's like instantaneously everything changed for us. Yes. Like our, our, our business, small and all as it was at the time, it just doubled overnight. We started yes. getting calls from people, invitations from people. Things changed. Now, relationships in our family changed also. We were speaking with members of the family that we hadn't spoken to in years and uh -huh. people were making contact. So you can see how it, the change affected me personally and Angel Rose, but then also back through the ancestral line. Now, what became fascinating about this was uh, we were speaking with a Buddhist nun, I think it was, and she said to me, do you realize how powerful this is? We knew exactly how powerful it is, but the only difficulty with that, of course, is that it takes quite a long time to paint such a picture. Mm -hmm. So the the cost of it is, tends to be prohibitive. I mean, we're talking yeah. about like $450 for a, a family, family crest. Now, having said that, though, the benefit was huge. Yes. So I went then and asked Angel Rose in the Akashic Records, where is this going? What is the next thing that I should be doing? And what she said to me was shocking. She said, you have got to paint the spirit of love or the family crest, let's call it, of the United States of America. Mm. And then you've got to paint 
the, the, the spirit of love of Egypt and Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and yes. Ireland and so on. And you can see how, in a way, it was healing collective karma. Yes. So this became a huge project, which we now call the Spirit of Love Project. And Angela Rose mentioned it at the top of the yes. program where she said, if you want to take a look at that and how it, it operates, you can go to ahanu, that's a h o n u forward slash Spirit of Love. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this, Leslie, because, you know, Ahanu has only done the United States of America and Egypt. So it would be nice if you'd get after him to continue with the other countries. <laughs> oh, yes. And, I, and you know, is this not, Ahanu and, and Angel, is this not exactly what we've been talking about where energy follows intention? Yes, absolutely. Exactly yeah. that. Mean, and indeed, it, the, 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 this process, as I said, it's a huge project because, you know, I asked her in the Akashic Records, and then where does this go? She said, you've got to paint the spirit of love of the trees and the waters and mm. the elementals and, mm. and so on. And, you know, this is, a, this is a huge project. And it's not something that I can do on my own because everybody actually contributes to this in their own way. It's like a yeah. collective a collective intention. When you say it follows intention, it, it, if it's a collective intention for growth of awareness and ascension capability, then we're all benefiting. Indeed. It, it yeah, as I said, it heals retroactively. Indeed, I actually believe that it heals forward in time too because, sure. you know, we, we pass on these gifts and benefits to our children. And imagine if you were stable emotionally and if you were healed to a high degree spiritually look at that huge benefit that you immediately impart to your children indeed ohanu that is so uh, that is so profound and of course you know i time is not actually linear i mean we've spent a lot of time talking about past lives today but but we can also progress people to future lives time is not linear like a band like the old timeline you saw in school stretching across right. the top of the chalkboard um it, it's i in a certain sense everything is happening sort of simultaneously. So uh, so I have no doubt that the healing that you are doing with, with not only the project of love, but the, but the clearing of the, um, of the family crests, this healing is taking place in all dimensions of time and space, right. forward, backward, sideways. And I would also uh, further say that, Ohanu, I would imagine that with this, with, with this type of work that you have been drawn to do, I would not be at all surprised if you had incarnated within the O'Grady line on several occasions. <laughs> That's probably very, very true. Yeah. But let I me would... ask you, Leslie, since you brought up future lives, and I know we're, we're how much time do we have, Ahana? Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. Could you discuss? any type of hypnosis that you've had with people, not only into quote-unquote future lives, but into the future of our planet? Um, I, I have had some really wonderful uh, sessions, positive sessions, uh, where people have progressed into the future. And uh, it is tremendously exciting. And what's what seems to be 
the big earmarks of the future seem to be that after after this incredible upgrade, which is both uh, it's cosmological. Uh, in other words, it's physical and it's also spiritual. So uh, as we experience the great alignment and as we experience um, increased photonic energy um, hitting our planet, um, uh, it's it's my feeling some of the some of the information that I have received from people I'm working with is that uh, we are carrying uh, DNA, recessant DNA, if you will, but we are all carrying DNA that is in fact uh, photosensitive. And whether it is a holdover from our our origins, uh, you know, who can say? But the fact is that we are becoming activated and turned on, if you will, by the physiological bombardment of, uh, of, of solar activity. So what people are telling me about the future is they're seeing they're seeing the end of um, these uh, corrupt and artificial um, government constructs. Uh, they're seeing they're seeing the end of um, of the um, the monetary systems that we currently use, which are uh, synthetic and uh, and um, and hollow and do not serve anyone. Uh, they are seeing a great compassion and equality, where every spirit is valued where everyone's contribution is valued, um, uh, telepathic communications, uh, just everything that you can imagine. I have not had one person in my chair as I progress them to the future who has talked about cataclysms or death or global war. Uh, I simply do not accept that that, that is what's waiting for us and but i do think that we have to be very cautious to eliminate fear because uh uh one of my one of my big um goals one of one of the things that propels me into this work is the elimination of fear fear of the future fear of hell fear of death fear you know fear is the thing that will stop our progress dead in its feet which is why then you know the negative the negative uh, constructs that be on this world are very involved with engendering fear they want right. us afraid they want right. to keep us afraid so they can keep their control and so right. we need we're our work your work ohano's work all of our work i believe is completely joined together in the elimination of fear right and I know there's the, the chapter in my book called uh, Earth and the Ending of Evil. And, you know, this is when Source did come and tell us exactly what you said. Yes. That really the time for all that corruption and fear is over. Yeah. And that con- that control. And that this really is about moving into our, our you know, ourselves the way we were created. Yes. And um, it is important to... To, to say that to people that, you know, God's source does not um, require or even or promote any sort of catastrophe or any sort of, um, you know, you don't have to go through a huge uh, pole shift where, you know, most of the population dies in order to go to another level of awareness. Indeed. You know, that none of that is required. and. I think that's so important because people, a lot of people expect that. They think that that's uh, God doing some sort of uh, punishment thing, 
you know? Oh, yeah, that's leftover, you know, that's leftover biblical stuff, twisted up stuff from the Anunnaki, from their from their reign, uh, from from the brothers fighting and, and controlling us with fear and, and uh, pretending yeah. to be gods. That's that's yeah. leftover stuff that 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 kind of primitive uh, God spell, you know, comes from the oppression that we have experienced as beings, uh, you know, at the at the hands of others, if you will. But no, there yeah. doesn't need to be any kind of uh, any kind of cataclysm. Uh, and I certainly, from what I'm hearing, and also from what I sense, um, I I'm just expecting that um, that there's going to be an amazing vibrational upgrade, which in its own natural way, will bring down the false constructs of hate, fear, war, poverty, and ego-based thinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Okay, well, we're winding down our program here. We're speaking, you're, you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu, and we're speaking with Leslie Mitchell-Clark, who's a hypnotherapist, a past life regressionist, and she speaks so eloquently about life between lives. She can be contacted on our website at lightworkhypnosis.com. Now, we usually traditionally do a little kind of a summary of what we've been speaking about through the program, Leslie. And we, before I get into that, though, I want to mention that throughout our discussion, we've been talking about uh, past lives and so on and what happens after death. And we actually had a person who was on the program, I think it was like March or April time of this year, mm-hmm. who had four near-death experiences. And if anybody wants to listen to that particular program, they can go to angelrose.com forward slash podcasts and just scroll down through the list of various programs that we've done. And you'll see the one with Michael Murray on four near-death experiences. And we found that particularly fascinating because in any of our previous experiences, we were lucky enough to meet one person who had a near-death experience. And, but this guy had actually four of them. And he discusses them in great detail. Wow. And the experiences that he had, yeah, four. Imagine four near-death experiences. It's, it's quite... <laughs> It's hard to comprehend, really. It is, but apparently he, I, I, I would believe that he chose those profound experiences to, in fact, share them and, again, dispel fear. Yes. Well, I was actually going to make a little joke about Michael because Michael is a wonderful um, teacher of The Course in Miracles, but he he very much went through a period in his life where he was pretty much a hoodlum, right, Ahano? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> on drugs and just a real badass. So the fact that these uh, near-death experiences, um, they're very integral. You know, he, the one started when he was young, only maybe like eight, seven or eight years old. But he really has a wonderful way of weaving those uh, near-death experiences in with his awakening that uh-huh. occurred later, you know, in his 30s in his life. So it, it was quite an interesting story to hear because he was a man who was um, really close to self-destruct, you know? Yes, yes. And we do, many people who have had near-death death experiences have had similar uh, histories, and, and these near-death experiences have profoundly changed everything 
about the way they think, about the way they feel, and redirected them in their in their mission, as it were. Right. You mentioned earlier in the program, Leslie, about uh, Bimini and that area of the Bermuda ah, yes. Triangle. Talked yes. about Atlantis and so on. One of the things that we do every year is we bring a bunch of people to Ireland for our what we call a mystical and sacred sites tour of Ireland. And we just want to mention to people, if they're interested in visiting sacred sites of Ireland, do get in contact with us through angelrose.com or ahanu.com. Either of those websites, you'll be able to get in touch with us and get the details of the full program because we do visit these power spots in Ireland that do invoke past life memories. We've had countless um, situations in people where they would simply arrive at a particular location and the past life memories would be spontaneous. It's really, really interesting. Well, I'm going. So, I'm going on this. I am going. Will, uh, yes, we will put up the website about that actually pretty soon. And Good. it will be at Mystical Ireland. That will all be one word, holistic H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, dot I-E. That'll be the location of the details for that particular program. So we look forward to having you with us, Leslie. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I, I Even when I've been thinking about this tour that, you, that you've described to me and talked to me about, uh, tears come to my eyes. So I know it's going to be uh, uh, profound beyond anything I can really imagine right now. Okay, we have been speaking with Leslie Mitchell-Clark and we spoke about her practice as a hypnotist, how she heals smoking, phobias, health issues, stress and anxiety issues and also we went into the deeper areas of past life regression and of course future lives. We spoke in detail about her work with alien abductees, we spoke about the Greys and the Palladians and so on, we mentioned about Atlantis and then we spoke a little bit about the biblical stuff that's left over from the Anunnaki and various other races of people and she came out with one very, very profound statement that I want to repeat to people in the hope that it will help them, that is that fear stops our progress dead so whatever you can do to eliminate fear you've got to do it. And one of the best ways is to contact Leslie Mitchell-Clark at lightworkhypnosis.com. It does bring us to the end of our program. Leslie, we want to say a very, very deep thank you. Oh, yes. I cannot thank you both enough for having me on the show. It has been fascinating, and uh, I can't wait to uh, visit Ireland with you both, and I will have my passport in order. (laughs) <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. All right, you guys have a beautiful day, and uh, I will, I'm sure, speak to you again very soon. And 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 bless you both. We hope so. And blessings to you too. Thank you, Leslie Mitchell Clark. Uh, Thank that you. was Leslie Mitchell Clark from LightworkHypnosis.com. And if I could just mention to our listeners who want to get in touch with her, LightworkHypnosis.com, and to get in touch with Angel Rose. Just take care of the spelling of that. It's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E dot com, angelrose.com, or my own website has a contact page on it also, A-H-O-N-U dot com. We want to thank you very, very much uh, for being with us, and we do look forward to speaking with you again next week, next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you indeed, and blessings.